five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was the uh, great Burton Cummings. She's come undone. Um, <clears throat> the guests who were just incredibly underrated as a band. I have to say, you go back and you look through their catalog and they are chock full of like iconic tunes. And right at the top is American Woman. I mean, come on now. How great is that tune? And there's plenty more. Um, Share the land. I mean, but that come undone. And the brilliance of Burton Cummings, who might have one of the best voices in rock and roll. He's clear, smooth, right? But he's also a little, little edgy. He hits that kind of that edgy timbre. And the guy plays six instruments. Piano, I mean, he could play anything. Like he's insanely talented and um, just an absolutely great piece of music. Undone. A little bit of guess who to get your uh, week started here on 15 Minutes of Flame. Thanks for being here. If you're listening on the podcast, you could always join us live at 9 11 a.m. Central Time. Not everybody can because, uh, granted, there are people that listen to this and watch this show all over the world. We are global. Um, in our reach, which is one of the blessings of living in the digital age, because there are some blessings living in the digital age. And there's also some downside to it. I mean, let's be fair. But um, if it weren't for the digital age, we would not understand what's going on, at least at a fundamental, if not a superficial level in China, which is behind me right now as part of my uh, green screen uh, ex, ex, exposition and display. Uh, so I am grateful. I'm grateful for the tools. The tools aren't always used to the best of their ability, but hey, it's a theoretical free market, right? The free marketplace of ideas, one would think. Unless, of course, you are Kanye West and you just basically burn down the Tim Pool show. I'm going to get into that um, today, of course. How could I not talk about Yay and Temple, which I think is just really one of the worst uh, combinations. You got a guy who insists on talking and being heard, and I'm talking about Kanye. And then you have another guy who consistently talks over his guests. And, um, oh, look who's here. It's the Astro Cat. You decided to earn your food today. Good for you. Good for you. You got up off the bed. Yes. 
I think you were jealous because I was spending time with Max on the porch today. I'm playing the cats off against one another. It's my new strategy to get the most out of each cat. Uh, so we're going to get into the whole pool Kanye thing. I have a lot of thoughts about it and um, try to just untangle untangle the, the, the naughty ball of yarn uh, that has resulted in Kanye literally just going off the res. I, I, got, I got called out for saying going off the res one time. I don't know. Is that such a bad thing to use that phrase going off the res? Yeah, I don't know if it's that bad. I mean, I, I, I didn't really apologize for it. Did I capitulate? Yeah, I changed the title of the show, and it was Kanye hits the third rail. So it wasn't like I was just um, capitulating. I was actually replacing it with something perhaps a little more controversial. Anyway. Uh, we're going to get into that and a number of other things today, including what's happening with Jerry Jones, which is Jerry Jones being the uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And what's going on with him, I think, is troubling. And it is this ongoing um, effort to cancel prominent quote-unquote, white uh, business owners, and particularly in the NFL. So there's a whole other kind of sides. If, you, if you're not aware of the story, um, and I'll show the picture later, there's a picture of Jerry Jones in Little Rock, Arkansas, where, uh, you know, there's this, it's at the kind of the flashpoint of the civil rights uh, moment in time. And there's a guy who is confronting, he who happens to be white, he's confronting uh, a uh, black dude who wants to go to school. And at that time, Arkansas, Alabama, the Southern states were living by a different set of rules. Hence Martin Luther King, the Civil Rights Act, all the things that go along with it, right? So there's a picture of Jerry Jones and he's in the background watching this confrontation and we'll get into that a little bit today because it's um it's troubling it's not and not troubling in the sense that he was there but it's troubling how they're they're spinning this thing so there's the there's the outside effect what i mean the outside effect it means outside the nfl and then there's the inside effect which it happens to deal with the NFL and Jerry Jones's um, ongoing feud with Roger Goodell, who is the commissioner of the league. So we'll get into a little bit of that today. So we've got some, some yay breakdown. We got some Jerry Jones breakdown. Uh, China is still in the throes of some major chaos. The U S says it actually backs the COVID supporters or the COVID, the COVID, um, not supporters, but um, the, uh, the 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 people pro the COVID protesters, right? Oh, really? So you're on the record with that. The U.S. is now on the record with backing these people. Interesting. Hmm. 
let's let's make that part of the public discourse and let's make that part of the public record for when the time comes that Americans might get off their lazy fucking asses and hit the streets and do the same thing. They tried. I mean, we tried. Don't you know? Let's we're we're a country that has been put in golden handcuffs. But at the beginning of COVID, after three weeks, people were restless and they started to hit the streets and they started going to state capitals. And they started driving their cars around uh, and honking their horns, like being good Americans. We're going to social distance in our car, but God damn it, we're going to protest. And then what happened? George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd was, you know, the cold, the cold shower on the uh, COVID protest movement in this country. And who wanted to go out and protest against COVID when the streets in America were burning? It's kind of an effective tool to quell the protest, don't you think? Um, and then if we have time, I'm going to try, I try to get into this case that the Supreme Court, which looks like it's actually going to be heard. And um, I'm going to try to you know, deconstruct that a little bit and see if there's a real there there, because the, I'll get into it. You guys, I'll, I'll get into it when we get there. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, some of you do. Um, but I love this photo. It's become, it's become iconic. And if you look at the people in the photo, they're, they're, I would say they're all Gen Z's, right? These are all Gen Z kids and, you know, they've had enough right now. I can I can assure you that in this crowd, right, you probably have CCP at CCP plants that are part of the crowd. They're circulating, of course they are, right. You probably have some uh, undercover PLA, right. But for the majority of what we're seeing here, this seems to be a youth-driven movement and moment in time. And if you watch the Sunday night show, the thing from an astrological perspective, excuse me, perspective that I think was really interesting is that Tiananmen Square happened when Mars was in what Gemini. It was in Gemini. And the day that Tiananmen Square kicked off was just a few degrees off of like where Mars is currently also in Gemini retrograding. So we have this interesting moment in time that takes us all the way back to Tiananmen Square. Which, you know, Mars retrograde, that's what it does. It takes you backwards, right? So we look at the genesis of theoretically the first real protest movement in modern Chinese post-Mao history, and that's it, right? This takes us right back there. Okay, let's take care of some business. Um, let's do a little uh, shout-out love for True Hemp Science because... What's a day without True Hemp Science or their products? I moon dusted up today. I definitely moon dusted up. So I'm happy about that. You know, I should get Jasper in the moon dust. Jasper, you want a little moon dust in your food? I wonder if you need it. I wonder if you need some of that moon dust. I wonder how it would affect you. You know, you're already a cosmic cat. All right, so let's do a little uh, shout out for True Hemp Science and uh, their wonderful products. Because I keep getting just absolutely great reviews 
um, from people who use the product. This is the thing that's quite encouraging. It's not like, oh, Robert, that 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 shit was slop. You know, why are you pushing it now? I just keep getting more and more positive reviews about Chris's product. And there's a number of products there that are available uh, from, you know, uh, the moon dust to the gummies to uh, water-based, uh, water-soluble CBD. I mean, there's all kinds of applications uh, for Chris's products. And if you go to uh, truehempscience.com forward slash ref forward slash 23, that takes you right into the zone where if you get $100 or more of the product and type in 15MINS, that's 15MINS, you get free product. So I don't know if you guys have seen uh, like uh, Chris's like uh, gummy packs, right? So there's probably a pretty good chance, although it's up to his discretion, that if you order product and, you know, and I'm sure if you got on the phone with him and people call him all the time, I don't know how he manages to stay busy with all the, I mean, stay focused with all the phone calls. I guess Marsha helps. But um, if you say, hey, hey, man, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that $100 offer. But can you throw in a few gummies as part of my, I haven't tried the gummies. Can you throw in a few gummies as part of my free booty? I'm sure he'd do it, right? So it's not just up to, you know, the the whims of the CBD God, right? You could actually probably interact and say, hey, like, I'd like to try a little bit of this. He's like, sure, you got it. I'm sure I'll put it in there. So, um yeah, just go to trim science forward slash ref forward slash 23, throw in 15 mins, F15MINS at the end of your transaction, and uh, you get the free stuff. Um, if you do call them, let them know that you came from this world, because I think uh, that, again, completes the entire circuit, right? That's, that's the circuit completion moment. Um, and if you spend $150 or more, you get free shipping. So there you go. True him science. All right, let's get into Chataria. Uh, we had a nice little uh, Discord chat last night. So we kicked off our Discord last night, and <laughs> we have plenty to talk about with uh, Tim Pool and Kanye. Plenty to talk about. Let's see, who do we have here? So that was cool. And I and I want to thank um, Tink, T-I-N-K, short for uh, Tinkerbell, and uh, who was there inside of Discord. It really helped some people get on, get literally get on the chat, um, figure out how to uh, unmute their mics and whole nine yards. So uh, next month, we're going to have two things that I'm going to be doing for the members. Of course, if you're a member, you get some of these goodies. Two things. One is we're going to have a Zoom chat for the members, and we're going to go through Discord, and we're going to show, kind of do a, a tour around Discord. And hopefully, you know, we'll do screen shares, and, and you can ask questions. So that's going to happen uh, next month. And then also for members, I'm going to be doing my astrological forecast for 2023 and I'll have a YouTube version 
and then I'll have an exclusive members version. So that's really something to look forward to. So you're going to have kind of two bonus moments for being a member. All right. So let's get into um, Shataria. There's TJ. What's going on, Tom? Uh, Garden Girl. Good morning. There's the classy one, Sony Kabuki Theater. Hey, Bo. Was shaking, brother. Uh, Kelly B. Happy Tuesday to you, Kelly B. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, Hucklebuck 411, checking in. There's my man right at 9.11 a.m. It's Maurice 100. And we have Fantastic, a.k.a. C.C. Jones, who was part of our chat last night. And we got to hear about her exodus from the, um, the healthcare world. That uh, was another topic we got into last night as well. Chris and Steve, looking forward to having you on Friday. First Friday, we haven't had a, a crimmy sighting for a while. Looking forward to that. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Wendy says, the beautiful one is here. Hey, Wendy. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Lots of lots of love and hugs inside of Chataria today. Queen Lisa's here. Snow pretty good in western Wisconsin. Queen Lisa's a pretty good photographer. I should bust out some of the pictures. Tim Pool can't stop himself from thinking he's the brightest bulb in the room. We had a really interesting conversation about Tim Pool last night. And, um, you know, uh, at one point, here, let, let me say this about Tim Pool. At one point, I thought Tim was interesting. And that was pretty early on when he was on Joe Rogan. And Rogan was interviewing uh, Jack Dorsey and uh, Vijaya, the former, you know, censorship legal terms queen of Twitter. And Tim had a very clear and direct approach to getting her to admit certain things about Twitter's policies. And it was like, wow. And, and I really hadn't heard of Tim Poole. I, I mean, just kind of in the background, but on that Rogan podcast, he was actually quite good. And, you know, he it was like, okay, let's bring out this machine gun for a moment. And he was able to really drill down and get to the point. And honestly, catcher in some of the inconsistencies around Twitter's policies, which I thought was really great. So I'm like, okay, he's on my radar. And then Emily started to watch Tim Pool. Um, I think because of the same thing. And then I started to watch his show and I'm like, okay, what's going on with this guy? And when I started watching him, he was still in New Jersey and he was with Adam Krieger who just did a six hour podcast dumping on Tim Pool. Uh, kind of amazing. He spent six hours. So this has been a, a, a bit of a rough week for Tim Pool, to be honest. Um, so he's he had the he had to rebut a lot of Adam's claims. Now, Adam is kind of a dweeb, okay? He's got his own show now called Adam Cast. Like he couldn't do anything a little more uh, original than that. And he and Tim originally were on the show together. 
and they would they were both wearing their ski caps and their beanies and adam had long hair and i think for the most part tim really carried out i don't their their relationship was strange they were definitely bros um adam's girlfriend was there apparently adam's girlfriend has money that's the other little subtext here apparently apparently she comes from money but anyway they were you know they were embedded they were tight and tim pool and adam uh really took advantage of youtube's algorithms like tim knew how to really take advantage of the algorithms i also think that tim pool is probably intel um, because of his prior his life prior to being uh in uh in youtube right he was embedded all over the world doing stuff for vice um so and tim really comes online during occupy wall street and that's where he meets luke radowski who's part of the show and that's that's Tim's genesis, right? He comes onto the scene, and I think he's one of the first people to live stream you know, during the Occupy thing. And I and I was there, and I saw their their live streaming hub. I don't know if that was Tim who was part of that group, or he was doing it separately. But um, clearly, there was some money behind the Occupiers. They had generators. They had a whole network of computers and they, it was all, you know, kind of set aside from the, the main event. Right. So they, they were definitely um, locked in and hooked into this, this streaming hub. And um, that's where Tim really got his, got his bones. Right. And I do, I, I do think he's, he's got some Intel, not, not Intel in the sense that, he has information. I, I think Tim is a spook. I mean, look where he landed his compound. It's in Virginia. I mean, it's a proximity thing, right? Like it's not very far from, from Langley and Spookville. So Emily and I have talked about this and we both agree that, that there's something spooky about Tim and he and Adam wound up going through a, a falling out. I mean, I, I I watched their show, and at times it was kind of unwatchable uh, because of Adam. And then Adam leaves, right? He eventually he leaves the show, and I think he went down to Virginia. It was kind of part of the background, but he wasn't on the show. And the numbers that came out during his six-hour dump on Tim Pool is that Tim Pool was probably making about at that time with all the super chats and all of the uh, YouTube money, Tim pool was probably making about $250,000 a month. So just add up those numbers. I mean, I think Tim pool's worth, you know, two or $3 million at this point because he had started in earnest this, uh, streaming operation in 2019 like i know he was doing it a little bit before then but I, that's when he really he really came on in 2019 and he started to take on the more libertarian conservative position he started to go after liberals and 
at that time, Emily and I would talk amongst one another. And I said, and I told her, I said, look what Tim Pool's doing. He's totally going all in on Trump. And they're 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 trying to rebrand Tim Pool as the new Alex Jones. Because Alex was really instrumental in Trump's popularity, uh, the rise of popularity back in 20, uh, 2016. You know, Alex came out in favor of Trump and got him on the show. And at that time, Alex had become kryptonite. But Tim Pool wasn't. So I feel like that there was an investment in Tim Pool. Like, we're going to invest in Tim Pool. He's going to invest in um uncoupling from the more progressive you know democratically liberal let's just use the word progressive uh position and and as a result of that he is going to influence a younger group of voters and i thought it was all very strategic and emily, emily and i agreed upon this as we watched him pull you know morph before our very eyes and then once Adam leaves, he begins to create the, you know, the cast and crew of the, uh, the Tim Pool show. And he has, uh, of course, Ian Cross, Crossan, right? Is that his name? Uh, the guy that he is just completely dumped on. This has been a really interesting time because Tim has had to address a number of things publicly as a result of what Adam has you know, um, gone on the record talking about, including his abusive treatment of of Ian. And so Tim had to publicly apologize, you know, because he's he's kind of treated him atrociously, not kind of, he has. He singles Ian out, and that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I've seen this on the show. But you have Ian, and then you have uh, Lydia. That's a whole other story. Like, that's a weird, weird relationship between Lydia and Tim. And then you have Luke Radowski, um, who has gone back to uh, Occupy with Tim. So that became kind of the cast as we know it. And then there's an open seat there for the guest. And his show has just grown. And like, on my YouTube feed, I... Always, YouTube always gives me Tim fucking pool. You know, it's like there are other shows that I don't get, but it's always in my recommendation stream. And Tim has a very tight relationship with YouTube. I mean, that's the other part that doesn't really come out. And it's almost, and Emily and I have talked about this, it almost feels as if YouTube is sponsoring Tim Pool. You know, that he's kind of a limited hang. Like they can... They can have him on YouTube and basically use him as like their flagship um, show that allows free speech or the free exchange of ideas, but does it really? And over time, this is my experience with him, is he's become more and more obnoxious, just incredibly obnoxious. He doesn't let his guests speak. I think he might have gotten that from Alex Jones. Alex Jones talks over people a lot. He doesn't let them speak, and he's always got to show everybody that he's the smartest guy in the room. And we were watching a conversation. 
I think it was last week with Tim. Ian was there. Luke was there. I forget who the other guest was. But they were talking about Kanye. And they were talking about this whole third rail thing. And Tim just hijacked the conversation. He brought in this weird non sequitur that had nothing to do with the conversation. Nothing whatsoever. It was kind of, what was it like? It was like, um, oh, yeah, and alligators are yellow and have polka dot warts. It was it was just weird. And then it, the conversation just ended. Like the, the thread of that conversation got snipped. And then they're talking about something different, something else. It was very, it was odd. It was so odd. It's like, oh, that was interesting. That was, where did he learn that? That's a technique, by the way. It's a total technique. You just throw in a non sequitur, and unless somebody is really paying attention, you just go, oh, wow. Okay, well, let's talk about this weird thing now. Anyway, it's been a bad week for Tim Pool, but he did apologize to Ian uh, about the Adam Cast thing. And then he, he actually apologized to Anomaly because Anomaly has been calling Tim Pool out right and left. And they brought him down to uh, to be on the show and they just kind of dumped on him and left him there at his hotel room. So not, he, Tim actually, now this is the part that bugs me again about Tim pool. Who's a fucking control freak. And he, and, and he said, he pulled a Trump and he said, Oh, well, you know, I'm not really responsible for booking the guests and all the details. My staff does that. Tim pool is a control freak. Of course, he knows everything that's going on. Everything. He knows exactly who's going to be on the show. He's got intel on them. He knows when they're going to show up, when they're not going to show up. He's, he's, I don't, I don't buy that bullshit. Tim Pool can't play the dumb card. He can't play the Trump. Oh, I don't know who Nick Fuentes is. He just showed up in Mar-a-Lago card. He can't do it. Anyway, we're going to get into more of that. Um, let's see who else we have here. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Oh, Tondar is here. What's going on, Tondar? We had a great... I haven't. I really didn't mention it. I mentioned it on the Sunday night show. We had a great get-together here on Saturday. We had about 15 people. Um, Emily was here. Laura was here. Uh, Rod and Dorothea were here. It was a great, great gathering. We had lots of food, lots of, lots of uh, fiery conversation. It was great. Not everybody agreed. Hey, Lyle Coyotel is here. What's going on, Lyle? Good to see you. Who else do we have? Here's a good financial vlog. Cool. I recommend this episode. Excellent. Thanks for sharing. Janine is here. What's going on, Janine? Tim is so annoying. He is annoying. Uh, let's see. Jastro Cat. Do you like that name? Do you like Jastro Cat? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Tim didn't even have the time to dominate the conversation. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that a little bit because uh, th this is a lot to 
this is a lot to unpack. Um, as a half-breed Redskin, I totally approve of the phrase going off the res. Let's not pretend there is no such thing as Indian reservations. And they're a good analogy for woke prisons. Thank you, Lyle. We got the we got the half, we got the half red blood seal of approval today. I appreciate that. I always liked, I mean, it makes sense going off. Don't you want to get off the fucking res? At least metaphorically speaking. Rocky, what's going on, Rocky? Good morning to you. Door to door, Steve, my man. What's going on? I got to reach out to you. We got to talk. Oh, let's see. When someone wants to change the language you've used for years, push back. Call them woke, the new racist. That's uh, coming from Lynn. Who else do we have? He wanted to talk about the Supreme Court case on Friday. Okay, we'll do it. I mean, when are they? When are they going to rule on this thing? We'll talk about it on Friday. I mean, the implications. So uh, I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. All right. Who else do we have? Miss Nakia is here. That case will tell us what's really going on. Rubber meets. So I think we're all pretty much accounted for. Let me get in. Let me, uh, let me dive into the show. Thank you all for being here. I really appreciate that. Um, so there's, there's a couple, so the Supreme court case, will it be binary, meaning that there's going to be either, uh, a judgment that proves out that this group of representatives, senators, et cetera, uh, did something and voted on something that theoretically needed to be investigated, right? There, there, I think there's a, a clause that states that what they did was literally out of turn, uh, seditious and treasonous. That's the case that we're talking about here. And it's a real case. It is going to go to the Supreme Court. Now, there's a couple of ways that they can that they can go with it. One is that it, obviously it's a binary ruling. So they can rule in favor of the plaintiffs, the, the Brunson brothers. They can rule in favor of them. But then there's the interpretation of the law. Now that's the part that is going to be the rubber hitting the road is the interpretation of it because they can rule in favor of them. But if the interpretation is uh, going to be remolded or reframed, then it's going to be just more of the same, right? Like they'll acknowledge that, that there was a breach of protocol. Look, this is, it's not the same Supreme Court, but it's the same body that ruled on an American election and literally appointed George Bush president of the United States. It was unprecedented. And, and they got involved because the, 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 the process was grinding, right? It was grinding to a point where 
we didn't have a theoretical president. That, that was all by design, too. You know, the Bush family are going to play out the clock. We're going to play this out to the point where somebody has to step in and render a decision. And that's exactly what happened, which I don't believe is constitutional. Remember, that's the same Supreme Court. It's not the same players. It's the same body. Clarence Thomas was on that court. He might have been the only one. I don't know when Alito came on. Uh, but uh, he was on that court. So, again, I mean, you know, where do the powers of the court extend into? And then you have to look at the, you know, who the players are in the court currently. I, I think the only one that's worth a shit is Samuel Alito. Uh, Thomas is borderline. Um, you know, then you then you have Roberts, who do you remember when Roberts showed up? Uh, he was like looked like somebody had beaten him up, and he was stumbling around D.C. and he had he had the the vril eye. Do you remember that? That was like really fucking weird. Real, it's like okay, let's just move on from that moment. Uh, and Roberts was sworn in. He was appointed by Bush, but he was sworn in by Obama. And they're having their little little giggle ceremony. That was under a Mercury retrograde. And they fuck it all up. And oh yeah, we don't we don't really know how to do this. Well, we don't really know how to say this. Well, let's just do it later. We go in the basement or in the White House, and then you can be sworn in on a satanic Bible. They said he was sworn in on a Masonic Bible, whatever that is, right? But everything happened behind closed doors. And that's John Roberts, the guy who's been literally blackmailed because he got two kids, two adopted kids, um, for the most part, illegally, right? This is the guy that's running the Supreme Court. He's the head of the Supreme Court. And he's a turncoat. The guy who made the deciding vote for Obamacare. Gee, what a, what a coincidence. And then you have the three musketeers that, that Trump appointed. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett. You know, good luck with those people. I mean, talk about, I mean, Kavanaugh is just deep state all the way, going all the way back to Bush. Um, Coney Barrett, that was a Mike Pence pick. You guys know the story. I've talked about this shit before. And then you have the liberal side who are all fucking wackos. And now you have Katanji, uh Jackson Brown or Brown Jackson, who can't even tell you what a woman is. And she's going to, she's going to render a vote on this case. Talk about in over her head and above her pay grade. Sotomayor, uh, Kagan. Yeah, good, good luck. Good luck. Even with a quote unquote, uh, conservative majority on the court. It's all gonna. It's all going. It's either a binary decision, right? The binary decision is that yes, there was a violation, a protocol and procedure, or there wasn't. This is how it works. But then there's the interpretation, and once they get in the interpretation, that is where the rubber hits the road. That's it.
So I guess we'll talk about that with the Crimmies on Friday. And maybe by then, who knows, maybe there'll be a decision rendered. All right, let's get into um, some Kanye in Temple. I actually have the video queued up here where he walks off the show. Let me get my uh, headphones on. I want to listen to this. It's not that long. It's only a minute and 35 seconds. Let's play it. She's come undone. All right. So we'll set the stage here. He's there with Milo Yiannopoulos in Nick Fuentes. Um, I wouldn't trust I wouldn't trust Milo Yiannopoulos at all. You know, supposedly a former homosexual who laid out references to being attracted to uh, underage males, which Milo was like set. He was set to have a major book deal. Milo was a fucking rock star, right? I mean, he was the type of outlier that the Republicans, the alt-right, mostly the alt-right and the alt-conservative party was looking for. He was conservative. He was queer. And believe it or not, he's actually Jewish. He's talked about this. His mother's Jewish. Like, this is their guy. Right. They're going to, they're, and he, not only he's at that time, you know, he was like a rock star and he had this, you know, these movie star looks and, you know, kind of this sex appeal. And, you know, he was kind of salivating over daddy Trump and, you know, he was their guy. He would go on to campuses. Of course, that was that period of time where they, you know, the campuses weren't letting people speak, whether it was Melianopolis or Ann Coulter or whomever, right? Charlie Kirk, they'd have these, you know, these massive protests because they were hateful. And then, and then the, uh, I guess it was an email exchange or tweets or something on Instagram. And all of a sudden now, uh, Milo is, uh, um, a minor attracted person, also known as a map, right? And then he gets canceled. His book deal gets canceled. At that time, he was uh, being uh, backed by the Mercers, who backed Steve Bannon, who backed Breitbart, who backed Trump. So, you know, they're very uh, prominent conservative family, happened to be Jewish that live in Florida and, you know, they have been the patrons of some pretty radical outliers like Milo and Bannon. So then they stop, they stop funding him. Right. And Milo goes through this very dark period where he's apparently saved by E. Michael Jones and Milo um, converts to, to Catholicism and uh, he's no longer gay. He went through some kind of, I don't know, epiphanous moment and realized that it was a, it was a mortal sin, but really, I mean, come on. And one of the things that Milo used to 
brag about was his love for, uh, you know, well-hung black men, right? He would brag about that all the time. And so here he is with Kanye. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, I don't I, I don't trust Milo Yiannopoulos at all. And Nick Fuentes is a wild card. And, I'm, I'm, you know, there are people who believe that both Milo and Fuentes are intel. And they're they're basically handling Kanye now, if you believe that. There could be some truth to that. But the thing about Kanye that that always strikes me as interesting is that I don't know. I just get this weird sense that he's playing everybody, including the guys that are with him. Kanye has this strange ability to be like conscious and unconscious at the same time. And Darlena, who some of you know from the event over the last couple of years and is a a Donna's sister and a a human design whiz, she's going to be on this show on Sunday night. And we're going to spend about a half hour, 40 minutes uh, going through Kanye's human design. She says it's utterly fascinating. Now, keep in mind, Kanye is a projector. He's a 1-3 projector. So he's an investigator heretic. That's the 1-3. And projectors need to be in, in environments where they are recognized. And I talked about this before when um, he was on the drink, the drink Drinks Champ show. That was a show where his... One three projector body could just expand and let it all hang out, right? There's something about being a projector, and they talk about this in human design, where you have to be in the field of a person. It's not really, I mean, manifest generators, manifesting generators have some of it, but they're all about just responding, right? They just respond to the situation. That's not a bad thing. It's actually a blessing, but a projector has to understand who the person is when they are in their field. And this is what happened with Kanye. Now, whether or not he knows anything about human design, he realized that once he was in Tim Pool's um, presence, it was not going to work. It was just not going to work. And I don't think it has anything to do with Tim's pushback or like at a, at a circuitry level, Kanye just realized non-fit. Non-fit. Look at all the, look at all the uh, market he has. Tim cast. What is that? Politics, culture. That's a that's an ammo box, right? At Timcast. He's got the the beanie on top of the at. Very interesting. All right, let's play the video and uh let's watch the Kanye walks off the set moment. Right. God is using me, he's breaking me down, removing all of the you know, richest person, all of this, so I can serve him. 
And the more and more those things are taken away from me, the more I can be empty and be a vessel and be able to be used. And right now it's like, you're not gonna take, if, if we can't, you're not gonna take my pain away, right? The Jewish people say, it's the Holocaust, this happened, and you can't say anything about it. We can't take their pain away. No one's gonna denounce the fact that they tried to lock me up. That's what, because every time I'm just holding stride and it's like, I didn't, I thought I was more Malcolm X, but I find out I'm more MLK because as I'm getting hosed down every day by the press and financially, I'm just standing there. And when, when I found out that they tried to put me in jail, it was like a dog was biting my arm and I, 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 I almost shed a tear almost, but I still walked in stride through it. Yeah. I, I think, I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I think. Who was they though? We can't <laughs> say who they is. Can we? Press. I'm not using the. I don't, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use. I'm, I'm talking. It is about them it. though, isn't it? I mean, because <laughs> no. and, and because when you think <laughs> about not. it, consider it. In 2018. What do you mean it's not? It, what What do I mean? Like, uh, uh, okay, so how about? Are you leaving? Are you afraid of the press? He's gone. I'll say it right now. Um, you guys, I, I, you guys want to bring that stuff up? And then, and then have the discussion. And then, look, it goes right to Lex Friedman. You see how that works? See how YouTube just absolutely loads up um, the next the next thing. So Kanye essentially has a moment, right? He has he has a moment, and he's like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> and then I guess Tim went on for but another hour and a half and he brought a bunch of people on and he had these sycophants kind of sucking up to him. And so Tim is definitely on the virtue signal path here. And there are people who will look at Tim and say, boy, you go get him. You show that fucking anti-Semite, right? You show that anti-Semite. Good for you. You won that. I mean, clearly, Kanye not sitting down and, and, you know, flushing this out, but he's done it already, right? He he's done it already. He's already gone through this process where, you know, he's, and I just don't think he's there to argue the point anymore. You know, does that mean that people can't like test his ideas or get into debate with him? Like, I think he's over that, but I'm not sure, you know, what other platforms are available for him. It was really funny. I was on Twitter last night. You know, there's this guy, Chad Prather, who has a show on um, uh, the Blaze TV network or Blaze TV. And I, and I tweeted him. I said, hey, Chad, why don't you have Kanye on your show? And he said he would. But it, Chad Prather, I, you, I don't know where he would go with it. Chad is really smart. He's a Sagittarius, so he's Kanye's opposite sign. And that may not really go well for, for Kanye. But if he's going to go on Chad Prather, he may as well take advantage of this uh, this square going on with all the Sag planets and all the Pisces. All the mutable signs right now are, are going through kind of an interesting brief period here where there's really no ground beneath the feet in a lot of ways. And, of course, Kanye is... Uh, Mutable sign. He's a, he's a Gemini. Um, the other thing that he talked about 
was the IRS. And apparently the banks have frozen his money. The IRS um, claims that he owes uh, $50 million in taxes. He might. And he even said, you know, I that, that was the part what, that he was alluding to where he said, uh, they want to put me in jail. Jasper, you're not going to jail. You are not going to jail. No, you're not. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he basically is saying, look, they're coming after me. And I, I believe when he tried to use his Apple pay, uh, Adidas had put some kind of a claim on his money and it had to do. So again, in the weird world of Kanye, but you're seeing a guy like his language is really interesting. Like he is aware of this process. He's this amazing kind of example of being aware and unaware, conscious and unconscious, all simultaneously happening. And he's he basically saying, look, I'm being emptied out. Like I'm going to be emptied out to the point where I am God's vessel. That you, the, if there's nothing left, there's nothing left because then God will ultimately, it'll just be me and God, right? All the things that stood between me and the connection and the current of the creator will be taken from me. I mean, this is kind of like the Jesus moment where he goes into the temple and, you know, the merchants are in the temple. And he overturns the tables in the temple. It's like, why, why are you doing transactions here? You know, get the fuck out, right? This is this is that moment for Kanye. He's he's throwing and it, it's his and what it is, it's his own fortune. It's not the fortune of the merchants. It's his own fortune. And I've I've always thought that the um, that the financials around Kanye were weird. Because when you go back and look at some of the things he said, like when he came off that big world tour with uh, Jay-Z, which made a shit ton of money, by the way. But he came off that world tour with Jay-Z and was doing a lot of the Fashion Week stuff. And he basically said, you know, I, I, I owe like hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, that's what he said. He he let it come out that his financial situation was was uh, more about being a uh, a debtor than anything else. But then that changed, and he started to get all these contracts, and he got the contract with Adidas. He got the contract with Balenciaga. I think Kim had something to do with the Balenciaga contract because she's still under contract with Balenciaga, and she's got her own shitstorm because of you know, this ad campaign that came out and she has, she's come out publicly and said it was disturbing, but that she's, you know, you know, uh, reviewing her relationship with Balenciaga. And there's a lot of blowback now in Kim Kardashian. So Kanye is this, he's this agent of chaos and he's, he, you know, as, as he, as his world is getting burnt to the ground, He's going into these other situations 
whether it's um, Trump at Mar-a-Lago or Tim Pool in Virginia, like he's leaving this trail of destruction behind him. And if you're if you were on the fence with Tim Pool or you thought that that uh, Tim was obnoxious and uh, you know um, overestimating his own intelligence and taking up all the oxygen in that room, that's just going to prove your point. It's going to prove your point that that's really who who Tim is. And so you're you're you know you're going to check that box. Then there's a group of people who are Tim loyalists, or you know they're they see Kanye as being an extent. He's not even an extension of Trump anymore. Kanye has become like his own thing. But he's an anti-Semite, right? He's an anti-Semite. He's a Nazi. So they're going to chime in on that, and so they're going to they're going to check the box for Tim Pool. But I but I would say that Tim showed his colors. Now, if I was Kanye, I'd probably ditch Milo and uh, Nick Fuentes. But, you know, that's Kanye. It's who he is, what he does. Uh, Breitbart had a very interesting, well, actually Breitbart itself isn't that interesting. It's more about the comments in Breitbart. So they just had a piece on Kanye West. So I can find it. So, you know, Breitbart got its start in um, really in Tel Aviv. Oh, look at that. Clay Travis is uh, writing for Breitbart. All right, let me see if I can do this here. Um, do they have a search on Breitbart? Where's the search? Come on. Uh, hold on. I just had this up here. Give me one sec, folks. All right. So this is the, um, this is the article. Now, the article itself isn't all that interesting. goes on to talk about how he's an anti-Semite, blah, 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 blah. But what's interesting are the comments. And the comments basically rip Breitbart a new asshole. I'm not going to get into the comments right now. So anyway, they, they rip Breitbart a new asshole. The toothpaste is out of the tube. That's what's happening now. 
right? And what what whatever Kanye is doing, he is like a thresher, and he is literally separating the wheat from the tares because he's bringing up things that have been verboten. Like you cannot talk about these things within this particular group, right? This is, this is, and it's not going to go away. This, these talking points are not going to go away. And in fact, even if Kanye winds up looking crazy or dispossessed or, you know, he's already kind of dressing like a post-apocalyptic homeless person. And maybe that's where he's headed. Who knows? Right. But, you know, this chapter is, is you know, this this ongoing moment in time with Kanye is unfolding before our eyes. And some people are catching the drift. Some people are just being outright dismissive. He's more polarizing than even Trump was in a lot of ways. But he went into Mar-a-Lago and he kind of lit Mar-a-Lago on fire. Right. He went on the Tim Pool show and whatever you think of Tim Pool or however you think he comported himself and handled himself, he, he lit that show on fire. And apparently he walked out with some of Tim Pool's cookies, too. It was a funny, funny uh, little, let me see if I can find it. I guess they were uh, these. Uh, gluten-free cashew cream cookies. And he walked out with a handful of cookies as, as he left the, the Tim cast. So not only did he set the show on fire, but he stole Tim's cookies. Um, this is going to be, I mean, I, I mean, where does it go? How does it end? It probably doesn't end well because he is on a self-immolation tour. But I think he knows that too. That's the conscious, unconscious part of it. The other thing that's really striking in a lot of ways is that he has no idea. He had no idea where any of his money was, right? Again, this is kind of the conscious, unconscious part of Kanye. You know, he's just kind of, you know, walking the earth like Kung Fu. You know, that's, that's what he's doing. And now he's understanding all this tax shit. And he's like, now I've got to figure out how to run a business. Because he had all these people around him doing all these things. And, you know, they're either no longer there or there's been prohibitive claims placed on his money and his sources, right? Which he's finding out now. And when you poke the bear, the bear will poke back. You know, the bear will rear its head as the IRS, Right. The bear will rear its head in uh, banks cooperating to freeze your funds if the IRS goes in and says, you know, we want to make sure that this guy pays his fair share. And if you go into, of course, the uh, current regime, right, you will find an overrepresentation of the same group that Kanye is talking about. So why would they not? met out their form of justice to him. This is a really interesting story. It's one of the most, again, it could be a total fucking psyop. He could be, you know, completely MK'd out. I don't give a fuck, right? Let me be entertained. 
and and see what happens when somebody like Kanye tries to break free of his program. And if that is truly the case. Now, Henry Macau thinks that he's actually a Freemason and he's been set loose to uh vilify the average Jewish person. That's what his that's what his theory is. I don't believe that. I, I don't I don't again when I when I think of Kanye, I think of somebody who is straddling this world of the conscious and the unconscious and being kind of in the moment, right? Like he's really in the moment. He's not, I mean, clearly he's not thinking about tomorrow because if he was thinking about tomorrow, he'd be way more conservative of his criticism of a particular group. And we've never seen anything like this. This is really uncharted territory because in most cases, when this happens, you know, people wind up backing down, apologizing. It's not, it's not like it's the first time in history that somebody's come out and said, Hey, you know, there's something going on here and we need to pay closer attention to it. Those people have been canceled and make no mistake. He's been canceled. And I'm not sure how many other platforms he's going to be able to be on that are going to be uh, worthwhile for him to get his message up, but he's got Twitter and he's got Instagram and he's got all kinds of Twitter followers and Instagram. So, you know, does he really need these third party platforms? I'm not sure. Shamika was on Twitter last night, you know, prodding Jason to have him on the show. It's like, Jason, come on, have, I don't know if Jason would risk that. I don't know if Jason Whitlock would risk having Kanye on because Jason would have to play the, a bit of the contrarian. He has that uh, in his chart. He's got a Venus Mars opposition, right? Venus and Aries, Mars and Gemini. I'm sorry, Mars and Libra. That's a weird, that's a weird opposition because you have both planets in their detriment. I don't know if he'd have them on. The other really interesting litmus, again, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jason Whitlock, who has a show called Fearless, who has actually been uh, a supporter of Kanye and Kyrie. And Royce White has also been a supporter. But Royce has been on the Tim Cat, on Tim Cast. I haven't really watched him that much. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Mr. Radical Royce White plays this. Because for him, it's important for him to be on TimCast. Jason's been on TimCast numerous times. So this whole thing is interesting, right? Because not only is Kanye testing these allegiances or so-called uh, truthers in one particular camp. He's also like testing it in his, you know, in his own world, theoretically with people that have supported him, you know, either directly or indirectly because Tim pool is that intersection with that world. It's like, he's that hub where people like Royce and, um, I don't know if Delano has been on Tim pool, but I know Jason and Royce have on multiple occasions. 
So he's going to test their loyalties. You know, Jason may not care, but I think Royce probably does more than he lets on. That's that's my sense. So this is this is going to be very very interesting, boys and girls. Very interesting. We're not we're not even close to being done. Let's talk a little bit about Jerry Jones. I want to switch tracks here. Let me let me show you the picture of Jerry Jones. Um right here. So this is the picture that's making the rounds. This is North Little Rock High School from 1957. And there's Jerry Jones. And, you know, the story here is um, that, you know, there's this confrontation between blacks and whites in Arkansas at that time. And Jerry's in the background. Now, what would you infer from this picture? Would you infer that he's this guy with a cigarette hanging out of his face? By the way, nobody's fat here. They're all height, weight proportionate. Um, or this guy who's kind of leering and egging the whole thing on. No, he's back here and he's watching, right? He's watching. Now, is he as disinterested as this guy? Like, would it be better to be this guy or this guy in this situation? But he's watching this whole thing. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, make him into a racist, right? So they desegregated North Little Rock High School. So these kids are trying to get in. And, you know, here's here's the front guard. Like, is that dude even a high school student? <laughs> I thought smoking was uh, not allowed at high schools. And then you have all the information gatherers. Look at those old film cameras. Those are big, wieldy. Like, there's a lot of heavy metal all around, right? They're actually carrying this shit on their shoulders. Does this look like the Mickey Mouse ears right here? So they're trying to turn, this is all revisionist history. They're trying to turn uh, Jerry Jones into a racist. They started off about a year ago when they, when they found that uh, Jerry Jones had a child out of wedlock and basically paid uh, the mother of his child off. Right, gave her money. I think he gave her like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something, and actually contributed, I think, to um, the daughter's childhood education. Like that came up, and they're trying to brand him as, you know, another, you know, just sleazy deadbeat dad. Now they're trying to brand him as, as a racist, right? So there, there is this thing going on with Jerry Jones and um, the inside story is the NFL and he and Roger Goodell do not get along. So Roger Goodell is trying to, to displace Jerry Jones. Oh man. 
having an issue a bit with my computer. So he's trying to get him out of ownership. That's really what's happening. He's trying to get him out of ownership. And this has been going on for a while because they have a feud, an ongoing feud. And, Ro- and Roger Goodell is a piece of shit. I've gone into Roger Goodell's past, who his father was. And Roger Goodell plays along with the uh, the agenda, right? But they've been going after these owners inside the NFL. They went after Stephen Ross, uh, who happens to be Jewish, by the way. So it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not inside the NFL. If you're white, you qualify with having a target on your back. So they went after Stephen Ross of the Dolphins. Brian Flores sued, sued Stephen Ross. Brian Flores being the coach for the Miami Dolphins. And he fired him. Even though he had a winning record, Brian, Brian Flores was a pain in the ass. And then they hired Mike McDaniel, who, by the way, happens to be black. So they, they fired a guy who was black Mexican and hired a guy who was black, white mixed. And Mike McDaniel looks considerably lighter than black. Back in the day, they would call it passing. And Mike McDaniel would pass. But Mike McDaniel has been a spectacular coach. It was a great hire. He's way better than Brian Flores, who's a complete, uh, you know, asshole. He was always arguing with people. Do you really want somebody in your organization that argues with people? So they got rid of him. And Brian Flores sued the NFL, sued the Miami Dolphins, sued the Denver Broncos. So he's got this ongoing case. And he was even hired by Mike Tomlin to coach linebackers for the Steelers. But as a result of that, they went after Stephen Ross, who's the Miami Dolphins head coach. So literally, he had to turn the team ownership over to somebody else inside the organization. He wasn't going to be involved in day-to-day affairs. Stephen Ross, by the way, a friend of Trump. Then they've been going after Dan Snyder, who also happens to be Jewish. They've been going after him for years, starting with the name of the Washington Redskins, going into this massive like investigation into their cheerleaders, into the emails. I mean, it's been exhaustive with Snyder. So much that Snyder is probably going to sell the team. And they're going to, but right now his wife is running the, uh, the commanders. That's their name. What a stupid name. And so now they got Jerry Jones on their target on their hit parade. So they're going through ownership, right? And they're, if the ownership isn't playing ball, I mean, that's from the NFL side, from the political side, you know, it's another white rhino. When I say rhino, I'm not talking about Republican in name only, but R-H-I-N-O. And so that's a trophy they put on the wall. And they, they, they've, they've done this, and they've done this with a number of owners already. Um, I think the, the Robert Sarver, who owns the, the Phoenix Suns, they've done the same thing with him. They've gone after him. And Sarver now is not involved in day-to-day operations. And he's going to have to, he's going to sell the team, Donald Sterling. What's interesting about all these guys, with the exception of Jerry Jones, and, and this is, to me, this is really odd, is that they're all Jewish, right? And you would think that within that network, that they would have some kind of magical power, the same kind of magical power that Kanye West has gone on record. But that's not true. Not in these instances. 
so when it really comes down to uh, money or possession, it doesn't really, at the end of the day, right? If they want you gone, even if you're a so-called Jewish, right? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to do everything in their power to cancel you and pull the plug. Now, the one guy who is bulletproof is Robert Kraft. And Robert Kraft got, got busted for, you know, getting a rub and tug down in uh, Florida. Like there was a sting and they busted all these dudes who were, you know, doing things at this massage parlor where really most of the women, by the way, are they're, 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 they're indentured sex workers. Most of them are Chinese and they have no passport They're brought into the country. And like, this is what you got to do, right? It's all run by kind of a Chinese madam. Um, and so he got busted at this rub and tug joint and nothing ever came of it. Right. So Kraft, who happens to be a big time friend of Israel and gets all these awards from Israel. He's managed to kind of skate out. Right. Meanwhile, Ross and Snyder and Sarver and Sterling, they, they've all had to pay the piper. Now, Jerry Jones is kind of outside of that group, but he's being put to the same test. Right. So this is the divestment of ownership. This is seizing uh, the means of capital and production. So these are all Marxist putsch. It's like it's a version of a Marxist putsch. Now, in the case of Donald Sterling, uh, the team was purchased by Steve Ballmer. And Steve Ballmer being uh, one of the richest people associated with Microsoft. So basically pa passed from, you know, one member of a group to another. And even Donald Sterling talked about this, right? Donald Sterling had these very kind of strange but lucid moments of revelation of what was going on. So pro sports now is becoming this battlefield where if they dig deep enough and hard enough, they'll show Americans that if you don't play ball, if you don't say the right thing, it doesn't really matter who you're affiliated with. You know, we'll, we'll take possession of your team or we'll be forcing you to sell your assets in order to cover your ass. Now, in the case of Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, it's a family business. So let's just say Jerry gives in, which he won't, by the way. Let's just say he does give in. Like, who's next in line? It's going to be Stephen Jones, his son. See, that's the difference between the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders or the Miami Dolphins. That is a family-run business. It has layers of family embedded. Through, I mean, it is a mom and pop shop. And it's kind of an incredible story, whether you like football or not. I think the, and I never really liked Jerry Jones in the beginning because I thought he was brash and he put together teams that beat my Niner teams. But over time, I've come to respect like the Jones family model. I've come to respect it. It is a family fucking business. And it is an extremely successful one. The Dallas Cowboys are one of the most um, highly valued sports properties in the world. 
like when you think of the the foremost um the the four the foremost valuable sports franchises you get Manchester United the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys and maybe the out, the NBA version might be the LA Lakers but the top three Man U New York Yankees and Cowboys those are iconic franchises and they're worth so much money and the Jones family built that business up so if they're you know if they pick off Jerry well, Steven's right behind him, right? So good luck with that. Good luck with that. And Jerry's not somebody who is going to suffer fools gladly. All right, I got to show you this thing. This is a little humor. When I saw this last night, I couldn't fucking believe it. But I got to leave you with some humor today. Yeah, check this out. <laughs> Florida man, 37, arrested for kidnapping 27 people and forcing them to play Yahtzee for 36 hours straight. Look at this. First of all, think of the concept. He kidnaps 27 people. Like, is this even fucking real? CBS News got the check. Right. <laughs> Look, could you could you imagine what is the deal what what does he take him by gunpoint sticks him in a room and says listen you motherfuckers you're gonna you're gonna play yahtzee for a day and a half and not just four or five 27 people like how does he keep 27 people in tow 27 people against one? I mean, at some point, right, like what really went on there? Like, did he supply him with booze? Did he supply him? Who knows? But why Yahtzee for I, I look at this guy. <laughs> I mean, this is insane, right? Th this is the world we're living in now. Where... This cartoon character supposedly kidnaps 27 people and makes them play Yahtzee for 30, 36 hours straight. Now, Yahtzee's a little addictive, okay? I've, I used to play Yahtzee. And you kind of get into a, kind of a Yahtzee thing. But for 36 hours straight, what, what did he kidnap like 27 meth heads so that they could all like stay up for 36 hours and do meth and play Yahtzee. That is one fucking funny story. Don't worry. We'll follow up on it. Trust me. All right. Um, thanks for being here. Don't forget to support our sponsor, True Hemp Science. Uh, we'll keep our eye on this case that's going uh, before the Supreme Court. We'll have the Crimmies on on, on Friday. Um, we'll do a deeper dive into it. And of course, you know, there, there's always another day in Yeaville. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about when it comes to Yay tomorrow. And remember, on Sunday night, we'll have Darlena Watson um, on the Sunday night show. And she'll break down uh, Yay's human design, which she says is very interesting. 
And I'm really looking forward to that. So you guys take care out there. You know, it's, it's a crazy world, crazy times. Uh, but we'll, we'll get through them. We're going to get through it, right? Because things aren't going to go according to plan. Trust me. They're not going to go according to plan. And sometimes it looks like it. But even the best laid plans of the new Schwabians and the technocrats under these astrological influences, I always go back to the super conjunction with Saturn and Jupiter, right? We are, we are in this strangely inverted world where plans just don't manifest the way the great planners hope that they do. Right. And I think China, I'll go on record. I think China is an example of that. And we're watching real chaos happen in China. Now, maybe it's being infiltrated now a little bit. Right. But initially, that stuff doesn't happen like that in China. Just not, not in those many places spontaneously in doing things that, that have never happened, happened before in mainland China. So that's really the cipher. China is the cipher and the key for now. In the meantime, Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart too said what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. We'll see you tomorrow. Take good care and bye for now.